We're up to mitzvah number 86, and this is a mitzvah that relates to idolatry, not to swear, not to take an oath in the name of an idol, and more specifically, more broadly, how to relate to idols and idolatrous temples and icons in general. And this is based upon a verse in Exodus. This is Exodus chapter 23, verse 13. It's a very interesting framing of the verse. The verse says, Everything that I told you, everything that God commanded us, you should observe, you should guard. And the name of another God you should not mention, you should not utter. It should not be uttered or it should not be heard based upon your words. So we're talking about the mitzvos. All the mitzvos you should observe, you should guard. And the name of a foreign god you shall not mention, you shall not utter, and it should not be said upon your name. So Rashi, first of all, tells us that this verse, it's one verse, but it connects all the mitzvos with idolatry. It starts off by saying, all that I told you, all the mitzvos you should guard. And then it ends, don't utter the name of foreign gods and don't have the name of foreign gods uttered upon you or because of you. So why are these two seemingly unrelated subjects juxtaposed? Why is A, the concept of all of the mitzvos and the concept of idolatry put in the same verse together? Says Rashi, this teaches us that rejecting and repudiating idolatry is equal to all 613 mitzvos together. And therefore, the verse will lump in one verse observing and hearkening and guarding and adhering to all the mitzvos together with rejecting idolatry or at least this aspect of idolatry, not to utter the name of an idol, not to swear the name of an idol, and not to have the name of a foreign god invoked based upon your words. Now, as we know, there are many mitzvos that relate to idolatry. Of course, we've seen right in the past not to bow down to an idol, not to believe in an idol. And there are many, many, many mitzvos, 51 according to the count of the Rambam, 51 distinct mitzvos that relate to idolatry. And this one specifically relates to invoking the name of an idol, not to swear or take an oath in the name of an idol, not to do it yourself, but also not to cause others to do it. And what's really interesting about this is that in a time where Jews were interacting with Gentiles, with idolaters, there was a prohibition to get an idolater to invoke the name of his idol. You cannot cause someone else, even even a Gentile, even a non-Jew, you cannot get them to invoke the name of their deity. Now, there are some very interesting aspects of this law. The Talmud tells us that it used to be the idolaters had their special days, their special festivals. And on that day, on those festival days, they would always be invoking the name of their idol. And therefore, there was a prohibition, or this prohibition extends, that you should not do business with the idolater on the day of their idolatrous festival, because what's going to be, you do a deal with them, and they're happy with their deal, and they say, oh, praise my idol, and now you, by doing business with them, you have caused them 
to invoke the name of their idol and to praise their idol, and therefore you're responsible to make sure that the Gentile idolater does not invoke the name of his idol. Now, the rabbis extended this even to three days before the festival and three days afterwards. And in fact, the book of Avodah the book of Talmud that talks about idolatry, starts off with this law three days before the festival. Three days after the festival, you cannot do business with the idolater. In fact, the medieval commentators asked the question, wait a minute, according to our standards of idolatry, Christianity, believing that a human is some sort of God, Christianity is idolatry. So how could you ever do business with a Christian? Sunday is their day of their holiday. And every day is basically within three days, either three days before or three days after their festival. So maybe Sunday is not a holiday. I don't know. But it's interesting that the commentators actually addressed this hundreds and hundreds of years ago. How can you do business with idolaters even ever? because they're always within range of one of their festivals. And the answer, they say, is also really interesting. This is on the very first page of the Book of Talmud of Avodah Zarah. They say, what's going to be if you refrain from doing business with a Christian, you're living in a Christian lands, Christian countries, Christian Europe, and you don't do business with them, then there's going to be enmity and anti-Semitism that's going to be aroused by your behavior, and therefore it's not actually a problem to do business with Christians. So really interesting idea that the mitzvah of not invoking the name of the idol actually refers to not, or extends to even not getting someone else to invoke it, and even not to do business with someone in a way that that will inspire them to invoke and praise the name of their deity. Another aspect of this law is not to use idols and idolatrous symbols and temples as landmarks. So you're meeting your friend and you say, well, where, where do we meet? Left me in the corner next to that pagan idol. You cannot do that. Find some other way to describe the place you want to meet. Don't use the idol as a landmark. Another idea. Even uttering the name of an idol is prohibited unless it is featured in scripture. So the Raman tells us in the Laws of Idolatry, chapter 5, halacha number 10, v'chal avodas kachavim, all idols, hachsulah b'kisvei kodesh, that is actually featured in scripture, mutter lahastir shmo, you're allowed to invoke or to say that name. So, for example, it talks about Pa'ar, or Nivo, or Baal, or God. These are names of ancient pagans, and you are allowed to mention it because it's featured in Scripture. However, if there is an idol that's not featured in Scripture, it will be prohibited to actually even utter and enunciate that name based upon this mitzvah. Moreover, you cannot refer to a city that is named after an idol unless it is featured in the Torah. So here's the question. January, 
February, March, April, May, June, Neptune, Jupiter, Mars. These are all names of idols. Why are we allowed to say these names? So there's a few answers to this question, either because, you know, the name of the month kind of trumps the name of the idol and the name of the planet is really the, 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 the superior, the name that's actually used in this context. It's more often used in the context of describing the month or the, the planet, etc. Alternatively, it's only a problem to recite the name or to cite the name if that is a name that is a praise or some sort of name of distinction and honor. And this is very relevant, the question of whether or not we're allowed to say the name of the Christian God. Are you allowed to say the name of what we call JC? So the word that starts with the letter J, that some say it's not a problem. Because even though you're referring to an idol, but because this is not a name that's a praise, it's just a description of the person, then it's like Jupiter or Mars. It's the name of an idol, but it's not a name of distinction. It's not inherently laudatory, and therefore it is okay. Others say it's better not to use that name at all. Now, the name that starts with the letter C, because that is a praise, almost all the commentators say that it is prohibited to call that idol by that particular name. That's why we call him JC or, or Yeshu. Alternatively, in the uh, in the rabbinic literature, it's called Oso, Ish, that person. We don't use the name of an idol to describe this particular person. We don't want to praise him. Now, the Ramban, in his commentary, he says something really interesting, and he invokes an interesting idea. We should not say the name of their gods. And therefore, he brings a bunch of examples. The god of the Moabites and the god of the nation of Ammon. We don't invoke their name. We don't say it. We don't utter it because we're not going to say the name of an idol with reverence. Instead, we should adopt the policy, says the Ramban, of saying a nickname or finding a way to describe the idol with disdain and with mockery. So he gives an example. The idol of Moab, the way it's described in Scripture, is as a shikutz, which means an abhorrent thing, and a toeva, which means an abomination, meaning that there is a preference to give a derogatory nickname to the idol and not to use the name, yeah, the name of the idol at all, but instead to replace it with a name that is derogatory with a name that ridicules it. And in fact, the Talmud tells us that as a general rule, mockery and being cynical is prohibited with one exception. There's one instance where Mockery and ridicule is not only permitted, it is encouraged. And that is with respect to idolatry. We don't aspire to be mocking and cynical people. 
But when it comes to idolatry, we are encouraged to mock and to ridicule it. Says the Gemara, this is in the book of Megillah, page 25b, it's found elsewhere in the Talmud as well. Amr Rab Nachman, Rab Nachman says, call Leitzanusa, Asira, all Leitzanusa, all mockery is prohibited, bar with the exception, Militzanusa Devorazara, with the exception of mockery of idolatry. He gives a bunch of examples in scripture. It talks about the idols as if they're bowing down and they're stooping to describe these idols as if they are, as if they're defecating. And the Talmud actually gives an example. You won't believe that this is featured in the Talmud, but I give you the source. You can check it up yourself in the book of Megillah, page 28. B, I'm sorry, 25B, it says that a Jew, normally a Jew, we're encouraged to speak nicely and to not to use any foul language and not to say anything that is, you know, incendiary. But a Jew is allowed to tell a non-Jew or a Gentile or an idolater, take your idol and put it in your buttocks. That's literally what the Talmud says which is it's a very aggressive kind of thing to say. We don't usually think of us as people who are going to speak like that. But here we're told in Talmud, with respect to idolatry, we're encouraged to kind of mock and ridicule it as much as possible. And therefore, with respect to the Christian hero, there is a custom, there's universal custom, to call him by a derogatory name. And there are many Examples that have become custom, like, for example, Yashka, you've heard that term, Yashka, or Yashka Pundrik. People today like to say cheese and crackers instead of kind of sounds similar to the, the JC. And even the word Yeshu, which is the name that the Talmud uses, Yeshu, that wasn't his actual name. His name was Yeshua or Yehoshua, Joshua, or some version of that. And the Talmud is called Yeshu. Why is he called Yeshu? So one of the commentators actually says that Yeshu, the three letters of Yeshu, Yud, Shin, and Avav, is actually an acronym and it stands for Yamach Shemovazichro. May his name and his remembrance be blotted away. In the Alenu prayer, there is a part of the prayer that's bracketed out. We're not supposed to say it, or we are supposed to say it, it depends, different customs. Shehem Mishtachavim Lahevel Varik. For they bow down to nothingness, to emptiness. But we bow down to the Almighty. The word varik, which means and emptiness, is the same gematria as the word Yeshu. Now in the Talmud, this Yeshu character is called Yeshu Hanotri, which we always understood meant Yeshu, this individual named Yeshu, from Notzar, from Nazareth, from the Nazarene. That's what we we're under the impression. But the Hebrew word of, of notzar, yotzer, notzar means formed or created. And some of the commentators say that the reason why we call him Yeshu Hanotzri is to kind of reject the idea of this individual being some sort of godlike figure. Oh no, he was formed and created in the exact same way that every human since Adam was created the regular, ordinary way, there's no uh, miraculous, immaculate version of the story. He was no tsar. He was formed exactly the way every other person is, 
There's nothing superhuman about him. Now, there are even people who refrain from saying the name of the Coca-Cola-themed festival that is celebrated on December 25th. Why? Because it actually has the name of this hero as part of part of that word. And by the way, saying Xmas is not necessarily any better because the X is also so, sort of hinting to this individual. And more broadly speaking, this was a terrible day for us. You know, the Christians would have their midnight mass and to kill time until midnight, they would kill Jews. Many, many, many Jews were slaughtered on this day. And uh, it's not a day that we look back on with lots of fond memories. Uh, there was an old joke that people used to say whenever they talked about trying to figure out, you know, where in the Talmud does this JC figure, like how does the Talmud's various different yeshus, because if you look at the Talmud, there's many different stories in the Talmud. It talks about Yeshu or Yeshua Natsuri or different people that seem to have a similar biography as this Yeshu figure and trying to figure out which one of them refers to the Christian heroes or maybe there's multiple versions of the story or is this a composite figure. It's a little bit hard to figure out. And the joke that they, that they say is that the, the historical JC is a little bit hard to nail down. That's the joke. It's a little bit of an aggressive joke. And maybe it will be inappropriate in any other context, but again, we have the Talmud. Talmud says, that's the joke. It's not appropriate. Jews were not mocking, deriding, ridiculing people. It's not a good habit to adopt. But with respect to idolatry, it is allowed and it is encouraged. And of course, it's also funny. But the principle is that we don't accord honor or reverence or legitimacy to any idol we instead Mark it ruthlessly. And the Sefer Chinuch, the book that we are using to go through the 613 mitzvahs, he tells us the reason why we have this mitzvah, again, it's so distant from actually worshiping idolatry, to actually prostrate yourself before the idol, to say, oh, you are my God, you created something, you have all these power. This is very distant. But this is still a mitzvah because the Torah wants us to be so distant from anything that even relates, that has a hint of a scintilla of idolatry, we should distance ourselves from that in our deeds, in our thoughts. We should never invoke this in our hearts at all. And in fact, he adds that in 48 different places in the Torah, this idea is invoked. So obviously it's a very important principle because otherwise it would not be featured so heavily in Scripture. Now, another idea just related to this concept, the Talmud tells us that heresy is attractive. We're trying to adopt faith. We're trying to develop faith. And everything that goes against our faith is actually something which is attractive. It draws us in. And that's the design. If it was the other way around, then there wouldn't be free will. Free will can only exist is when the good things, the things that are deeply meaningful, the things that are true, are a little bit less attractive than the heresy, than all the falsehoods. The balance has to be like that because otherwise there wouldn't be proper free will. And here we see like how we have to develop a moat around idolatry 
to not get sucked in, to not get drawn in because these things are very attractive. And therefore, one of the ways that we fight back is with contempt and derision and mockery and ridicule. Again, these are not typically characteristics that we're trying to absorb and adopt. But with respect to idolatry, it's very helpful to have a complete zero tolerance. Again, the Talmud describes, quotes verses in scripture that they're, they're, they're defecating. Like it's, it's, we're trying to make these things so revilesome in our eyes in order to not, God forbid, be enchanted by them in any way. They're not exciting. They're not appealing. They're not interesting. They're not something that appeals to us in any way. And by maintaining this attitude, please God, we're going to level the playing field and hopefully adopt and uh, try to develop our relationship with the Almighty and not fall for one of the pretenders, not fall for one of the faux false gods. I think if you listen to my email address is rabbiwolby at gmail.com.